2: Welcome to Wednesday voting, happy new year to everybody. Uh, as usual on a Wednesday, it's me, Kevin, Colin and Brian. And one of us is isolating because of COVID, which is utterly bizarre. it's <laughs> Colin just coughs right on cue just, just, there. Just
3: to
4: make sure he's it. Right. <laughs> how's,
2: every, how's everybody getting on? How's everybody getting on?
4: with We were wood-beak um, um, warriors, now we're COVID um, casualties. The, the COVID community, um, nice uh, in good company. It's nice to see and talk to people. Um, <laughs> since I kind of got the house this week, so uh, it's really nice to be here. Um, Colin, Colin I'm how about
3: you? I'm desperate to break down some of these walls and get outside. Okay. I mean, Greenock's not the nicest place in the world, but I'm actually missing it, and that tells you what isolation's like. Um, I think I've been Greenock through all, Huss- oh, so many box sets, I've <laughs> been playing football manager, I've still had to work. Oh, it's brutal, but um, hopefully tomorrow, I'll be out and about, and uh, I'll come and drive past all your houses just to gaze <laughs> a wee wave.
4: Colin, <laughs> see the first day you get out, the air's going to smell sweeter, the people's <laughs> going to be nicer, you're high-fiving strangers in the street
3: and I'll be straight over the get a slice roll. I'm like, no, let's not get into that, let's not get into that. Well, no, let's not start it. <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: sure the Bahamas is feeling like, Greenock uh, uh, is feeling like the Bahamas when you look at your windy, call. Uh, Mate, there's, the- there's
3: blue skies, there's not a cloud in the sky. I'm absolutely jealous, although I'm I'm reading that the forecast is for snow for the next couple of days, so that is absolutely typical. turns out it'll be more than 10 days isolation, if that's the case.
2: I definitely have. Um, unfortunately, I'm household I- isolation. There's one member of my family tested positive and Unfortunately, everybody else is negative, but we still have to isolate unless the Scottish Government changes those rules later on today. Hopefully, they will, and I can maybe get out for the weekend, all things considered. But at least we've got Celtic to keep us entertained, and Michael Nicholson has made a great start to the, this January transfer window and now the January transfer window is now open and why don't want to keep Jason Leach happy and we've got players coming in um, but we'll go to the comments we'll go to the comments first and Michael Newman and I've got to call on with us because I, I know you were doing the sums just before you came on there uh, and Michael Newman asks via YouTube, will Ange top 40 million plus in signings in his first season? Now, this is on the back of, uh, I think it was Sky Sports, mm-hmm. reporting that we are in talks with Tottenham Hotspur and Benfica over permanent signings of Cameron Carter, vickers and Yota. Colin, are we going to top over 40 million pounds in signings?
3: Well, looking at it and doing the the kind of quick math on it, it looks if we'll spend somewhere uh, if these two players do come in in the region of thirty-five to thirty-seven million pounds this season, which all things considered sounds a massive amount of money. Um I think that the kind of what the total will be will come down to what Celtic end up paying for Cameron Carter Vickers. I think there's been talk that it's somewhere between two and a half and ten million pounds, and that's such a wide variety of where we're actually going to um end up getting the deal done for but the fact that we are going out there is actually um, you you think that 37 million pounds is a lot of money Celtic's actually broke even on that when you look at the figures that's came in for the likes of um, Odson Edward for even Jeremy Thrimpong last season um, Ryan Christie Christopher Ayer the fees are very similar so you're talking about rebuilding a team on the back of selling four players then that isn't spoken about enough. Because yes, we've got a lot of deadwood out the door. We've managed to get some um, players, the fees that we've managed to get for some of them, the likes of Patrick Clamala, still getting £3.5 million for him. That's that's unbelievable. Um, But you're still talking about five, six players out to get what is basically a whole new squad in, we're talking about, by the end of this window, potentially having brought in 15 to 16 new players. Which is a great return, um, and it just shows you that the work that Ange has been doing behind the scenes. I saw someone say it in the comment section earlier on. He's been doing the work of a director of football and a manager at the same time, and he's definitely keeping the guys in the boardroom happy because they're continuing to back him, knowing that they are getting value for their money.
2: But Brian, there is a football transfers are a complicated business. And what you see in the papers or what you, the figures that get bandied about on Sky Sports and stuff like that are no really the true figures. For example, if you get if a transfer fee's 16 million pounds, you'll be lucky to get six million of that up front uh, straight away. So Michael Michael Nicholson started here, but for Collins gave us the figures there. Well, haven't they really changed? We haven't really changed tack, whereas what we bring in is what we spend out going by those figures.
4: Aye, but I, I think that's, listen, again, if you're a business perspective, that's that's commercially viable, isn't it? You, if you spend more than you make, you're not a viable business. It's simple as that, and Celtic are, are risk-averse enough that, you know, the, the model, as much as some of the transfers have been duds over the years, it, it has been working, you know, and I think... If you look at... as Colin alluded to there? If you look at getting in... We could end this transfer window with Jota and CCV and permanent figures. These new guys in, you know, the guys we've got in at the start. Plus, you've still got assets that can go. You've still got Barkas, Ayeti, goalie. probably and um, Guys you get a, a few quid for as well. So, you know, we could potentially see that spending going up, but it's prudent and the point we have to make is we're quick to criticise the board and rightly so at times, but you know, Nicholson and it's probably the Ange influence, but he's got these three guys that Ange wanted, he's got them in you know, actually the day before the transfer window started that's great work, and he's been backed and they've paid the money for them, and it looks like they're going to make the short term CCD permanent as well, again that's backing the manager and all these players, so as much as we, we we give him grief, we have to give him credit as well. Nicholson, although he's still radio silent, that's that's a very good start to his permanent tenureship. I think, see, when you look at it,
3: the likes of the, the money to be spent on Carter Vickers or on Jota, Celtic wouldn't have made that risk up front. There's no way back in the summer would we have spent £6 million on each of those players
4: that's loan loan buy option if you look at the five million
3: for Barca five million for IETI, you can understand why it's it's sensible huh? when when you look at it you've got the the loan to buy market which Celtic really haven't utilized a lot they did try to do that for a Yeti and then they were talked out of it West Ham wanted the money up front it was either you, you bought them up front or you didn't get them at all so it's it's a difficult one but when you see that and you see the performances that jota and Cameron Vickers have put in already this season. Jota's, what, 21? 21, maybe? And Cameron Carter-Vickers only just turned 24 there the other day. If they do sign on a permanent deal, you can guarantee that they'll sign for four and a half years in January, if that's when it does happen. Because the, the idea will be they'll see the rest of this season out, they'll have the following season, and then the season after that is when we'll start considering any sort of bids that come in and the likes of Jota, Carter, Vickers, they'll only be 23, 25 at that point, 26 even. You're still going to get a high return on your investment on that. For me, it's it's a no-brainer. It just shows that we do have the money to spend. It's just being wise enough to spend it. We've spent it incorrectly in the past. This loan-to-buy market, as much as people hate seeing us bringing in loans, it is a massive benefit to the club. It's a try-before-you-buy. I
4: think if you look at... sorry. Uh, Kev, just quickly on that, if you look at uh, Maeda, he's technically a to buy, What the clause is we're buying him. Set, we'll buy <laughs> him. So, <laughs> and I think, like, we ought to as well, I think the team was agreed before he came. Mm-hmm. So, the kind of being figure can suddenly say, well, we want 10 million from him, we want 12 million, as per six, so it's been good business.
2: Uh, uh, Maeda just seems to be like one of those uh, when you buy a couch, eh, you get six months to pay it. He? Uh, you don't need to pay any money for six months. AJSC e- Technology, um, a regular contributor uh, to our Celtic state of mind. Signing Yacht and CCV will be the club's best insurance policy against not getting Champions League money next season because they have big future transfer values, so takes the pressure. Offers Colin, do you think that's a consideration of the club when making what, what will be massive transfer
3: fees for the club? Yeah, I, I do. Um, but I also think we're being prudent for the first time in a long time. You're looking at us actually strengthening this team in January to the point of when was the last time we added this amount of quality or these amount of players to a team? We're, I know we're still in transition, that's the, the sort of uh stage that we're in. But always got to January and you're thinking, do you know what, if we can build a team here in January for the second half of the season, it means that we can go into the Champions League qualifiers in June, July, whenever they start, and you're not sitting there with Owen O'Connell or Stephen Welsh or young guys like that who've been thrown in at the deep end. That's, that's, actually a, a bit, that's not fair on Welsh as such, but guys like Dan Murray, who will play maybe those two or three qualifiers, will fall out of favour and you'll never see them again. We actually need to be into this... Um, this sort of set of qualifiers with a team that, yeah, okay, maybe need to add one or two in the summer but you're not talking about replacing one or two adding in three or four and getting a settled team that by the time you actually make the Europa League group stage or the conference League group stage are saying, oh well, if we had this team back in the qualifiers, would I beat them? This is the first time that I can remember that we're going into this as a stronger team. So okay, maybe we might not get the, the top prize so the top prize is winning the league and that's almost a guarantee uh, I mean it's not 100% guaranteed but it's 99% guaranteed that you get straight into the group stage the second prize there is Celtic will also still qualify for the Champions League um, qualifiers if we finish second this year mm-hmm. and if you're going into that and are, okay you're going to be playing stronger teams but you're looking at the teams that we're putting out there just now and you look at the team that played against Betis and against Leverkusen, and you're thinking, do you know what, if we can add a couple of players to that, then who knows? I'm not I'm not writing off the league at all. I still think the league's in their hands to go and win it. As long as it's still mathematically possible, it's in their hands to go win it. But it is almost an insurance policy, not to the fact that um, you can then go and sell them players. It's the insurance policy that when you get to the qualifiers, you've got a team that's up there with the rest of the teams that you're going to be competing against.
2: Colin it's a fair statement we may finish second I mean we'll have to actually look at that and you're, you're just looking at the way that the club will look at it they'll go well we may finish second and we may have to go through these qualifiers so therefore we actually need to plan uh, come on the hoops uh, how's it going lads we need to get these, these lads signed and this window. the club might bottle it in the summer uh, that that's true. I want to get these guys tied up. I think they've been absolutely fantastic for us, and I want to get these boys tied up. And pipes, McBags uh, via YouTube. The criminally negligent board have not been forgotten. Brian asked on Twitter yesterday if anybody had any questions for the, for the Wednesday team. And Stevie Mullen asked a question which goes with pipes' comment there, and the. Stevie Mullen uh, says, after the criticism of Michael Nicholson being appointed as CEO, what's the thoughts on his start? So what is, what is your thoughts on Michael Nicholson's starts, considering uh, he's was, he was been the CEO, the, the acting CEO since the start of the season, basically? he has overseen the Bernard Higgins stuff, and now we're going into a transfer window, and he has made a decent start into the transfer window.
4: So there's, there's positives and negatives. I'll do the negatives first because I think there might be more positives so far. Negatives are it's radio silence again. There's been very little to know engagement. I think they one statement, didn't they, the new year or just before when it Christmas time. Um there's been very little engagement. You know, the Bernard Higgins thing was a shambles. You know, you know, his involvement with that. So they're two two big negatives. And I think if we, if we, one of the things we have to change we've been trying kind to of for is, is more engagement with the the Celtic fans and the Celtic people. The positives, though, are it seems to be leaving like the football to Ange to deal with. You know, he's no, he's no, there at all, he's you no know, micromanaging a lots of things. You know, just asked for players, he's got them in, he's got them in on time. Ange's told him he wants to, the, they're the, under the club, essentially. Ange's got the, the youth players and the reserve players all cheering the same way as the first teams. So there's a, a sort of pathway. He had a hand in recruitment, the, the boy Anton, uh, McClone, the sports scientist. So it looks like Nicholson's sort of leaving the manager in charge of football affairs and he'll back him accordingly. Now, that might be wildly off the mark, but if that's true. That's a real positive for me moving forward. But, get back to the, the negative part, it, they do it in for more engagement. It's something they've been crying out for. Um, so be interesting to see how it, how it pans out over the course of the next few months and towards the end of the season. But, as I say, look, we criticise when they deserve it, and we have to we have to give our hearts to it when they deserve it as well. Because I can't remember a January where we've had players a couple of loan signings in the last day of the window, or anything like that. Whereas we've got three players, we're all very excited about, I think, and I'm sure we're we'll going to talk about um, coming in, and that are already and just get a couple of weeks to get in the train, get them in with the first team, and if we can sign CCV and Jota, that's a huge statement. Intent for the rest of the season. And I think confidence will start to rise that. And um, so yeah, so 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 far I would say probably 60-40 good. Maybe I've just been generous because it's, no, it's quite nice no, no, to say. No, you're, no, you're but quite I, think, right. I think that's probably fair. Colin, what,
2: what's your thoughts on Michael Nicholson and also also on his radio silence? Do we really need our CEO to be a publicity hungry animal? <laughs>
3: No, I mean, you've got a face of the football club right now. You've got Ange who is, he's out there for everything. He's out defending the club, he's out defending the supporters, he's out bringing the sort of reputation to the club. You look at it, who was one of Sky Sport's main interviews on Christmas Day? It was with Ange Postecoglou. Everybody is interested in what this story means to the club. So whilst he is out there as the face of the club, Nicholson can happily do what he's doing in the background and I think that's the kind of person that he is. I don't think you're going to ever see him come out and give the big pompous speeches that we saw very rarely, to be perfectly honest, from Peter Lowell, who was seen as the face of Celtic football club. He was seen as the guy that sort of pulled the strings behind the scenes. Nicholson might do that, but we might not see it. We might just see things happen and someone will say to him, oh yeah, well, that was Michael that had the influence in doing stuff like that. And if that's the way he wants to work, that's fine. But there is going to be times where we do need someone who is going to come out and is going to have to back up the club, that is going to have to come out and back up the supporters because there's going to be situations down the line where certain Football clubs going to come under attack for a number of different things. And we need a face that's out there. And let's be honest, it's not going to be Ange that's going to come out and answer a lot of these questions. It's going to need to be someone behind the scenes that's going to need to do it.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: I'd like to see what happens when these situations come up before passing any judgement. I think quietly in the background he's doing what he's doing. The first one that he's always spoke about is the Bernard Higgin things and the silence on that. All you can say is at least they never got the job, and that's that's the only reflection that you can take on it. it. There will be a time when I need, or when the club needs Nicholson, to step up for the supporters, to step up for the club, and to be that face. But we've not seen it yet, so we'll I'll, I'll reserve judgment until such times occur.
2: Brian Colin brings up a point there. I mean, are we just so used to our, our chief executive standing up and making the statements? When other clubs have their chairman doing that it was just the fact that our previous CEO was so powerful and their chairman so weak just means that we expect a CEO to come out and face the fans when it should really be a chairman's job
4: well, I don't think you would a CEO out and face the fans but you know if you look at the when, when Don McKinney's very brief spell, his interaction there was things that he was basically taking what the club were doing, he'd done the, um, the Keanu Foundation stuff and you know, those things where he was sort of appearing and you don't, you don't want your CEO to be the forefront of the club, right? Obviously, you want it to be Ange and you want him to be left to the football stuff. But there's other parts of, of, of Celtic that I think, you know, the CEO should be sort of I mentioning about. I say the Higgins thing was a key one. I think they could be engaging with, with, with fan media and mainstream media a bit more. Um, and I just think now and again, I will, you know, message our support or let them know their especially giving the, the sort of air of what seemed to be um disregard for the supporters. I think there is still a the rest of our riff needs healing. And I think this would be the time where a CEO could now and again pop out with a statement maybe thanking the fans for the support. Just just, just we th- just silly we things, wee gestures um, that we, we just don't really do. Um but it's not a deal on end though. And if he sticks to you know organising the financial side of things and the leaves Angie to the football side, that's that's obviously what you want. And I don't listen, I don't think for a second is going to be told off anybody how to control the football side of things. I, it's a of so I don't think for a second anyone's going to dictate to him. Do this, I, I, do this. So you
2: know I I, I think the Celtic fan my, my, my concept of what a CEO does at a football club has been uh, has been moulded because of we had Peter Wall since two thousand and three. And that's maybe a he maybe had a completely different role at Celtic than other CEOs have got in other businesses of a similar level, and that's that's a point that Strachan's laptop actually makes. You won't see ninety eight percent of of what the CEO does in an eighty million quid operation, mm-hmm. and whose who's news. Uh, a CEO should be able to take the brand into new markets, markets and concepts. Now that, that, that this is this brings me back to a question that I was going to ask you anyway, and I'm going to come to Colin first. If we get we've got the three Japanese lads in, and it looks like we're we're, we're a wee bit down the road with Cameron Vickers and with Viota. If this window is a success, does that put the end to the sporting director job? Or should we still get a sporting director to back up Hughes News' comment that a CEO should not be handling football transfers? Colin? Do
3: do you know what? I'd leave that answer up to, to Ange. I would let Ange make the final decision on that. I think, obviously, he's understood that he's had to come in, he's had to rebuild a squad from basically scratch this season he's known what his task was before he came here. When we had the chance to speak to Ange um, at the fan media press conference a couple of weeks ago, I asked him the question about what was his plans for stage two of the rebuild and his big drive was on recruitment both on and off the park. So unless anything's changed in the last couple of weeks, Ange still wants to bring in scouts. He still wants to bring in guys to help him with the recruitment side of the business. Now, We've known probably what since June that we needed to get someone in um, to do, uh, what do you call it, like sports science. It took them to November, December time, because they went and they picked the right candidate. In the meantime, things ran in the background. Maybe not to the level that they should, but they they ran, and we kind of continued to work and, and tick over. We're just seeing what's happening right now with bringing in guys um, from... All over the world, we're looking at guys from Japan, we're looking at uh, bringing in guys from Portugal, England. It looks as if we're just about to get a deal over the line from a, for a boy from Ireland as well. So, we are putting a lot of effort in and I'm just putting a lot of effort in just now. I think eventually there'll come a point where he'll say, Do you know what? I don't want to be working 24 hours a day. It'd be good to have someone that I can kind of bounce ideas off of and get a bit of time back. But he knows right now that that's his requirement. And that's what he's put into the club. He's said it times and time again that he's already explained to his family, he's explained that Celtic's going to come first. But that can't always be the case. And I think you'll see, maybe not this window, because the focus will be bringing in players, but maybe February, March time, you'll maybe see someone come in on the recruitment side of the business. Brian, what do you think of that?
4: Yeah, I think probably... I don't think that... See, depends what you mean by a sporting director. The sporting director, director of football, technical director. What you might find is, Angie's in charge of all football affairs as manager, and then you have, like, a technical director. And then what they do is they basically um, kind of correlate all the information from recruitment, scouting, academy, and bring it to him and say, look, this is where we're at, this is who we're looking at. We should think so he can concentrate football and then liaise directly with the technical director who basically will oversee every other football department. So Andrew would be in control of it, but would be like, if you imagine like any business, imagine like a, like a shop, right? Imagine like Topman or something, you have like an area manager and you have a store manager. So store manager will recruit staff and do this, the area manager will tell them and then they the go to their, you know, their boss, who would be Ange. So it just felt down. So I think probably, as Colin's right, he'll probably get it all together and get someone to oversee it, maintain it, where well, he can then focus on the, the football side of things. I think if you look at I know the greatest example because they have brought it at the moment, but if you look at Man United, they do done that with Darren Fletcher. So he actually, he's a technical director. So he controls kind of, like he's basically oversees football affairs for the academy up, but works underneath the manager. Whereas a sporting director or a director of football works above the manager. Like the boy Faye Dortmund, I can't remember his name. He basically oversees and hires managers and stuff. So it's that, two different things, but I can see someone basically coming out to be in charge of that side of things and letting Andrew own on my business. Because you have to think, you know, you look at Andrew, you look at the job he's done while rebuilding a squad on the park, rebuilding a club off the park, trying to rebuild relationship with the fans and he didn't do that all himself. So how much more could he give to the team if other people are doing all that? It's exciting times, but I think I would expect that he get someone in, but I don't think it'll be someone who's senior to him,
3: if that makes sense. See, see, when you look at it as well, though, there has to be a succession planning job underway at Celtic. Yeah, I mean, Ange Postacoglu, as much as I'd love him to be here for the next 10, 15 years, there's every chance that he'll maybe only be here for a couple of years. And then what happens? If we keep relying on Ange to John, sort of... Look John Kennedy gets a job. Ah, well.
4: But that's why I think you have you have someone overseas... The rest of us, was like a, there is a continuity. Because at the moment, see, we Ange, when Ange's coming himself. he'll probably leave himself. It's not like when Roger's coming. Roger's bringing on an to And it was great when he left to take them all with him and we never replaced him. Ange, I think, I feel like, and I might be wrong, but I feel like is building something He maintain that, whether he's there or not, if that makes sense. Well, that's what I hope anyway. See, see, been, when, you look,
3: see when you look at it, the last person who... Was sort of head of recruitment that sort of saw through a couple of managers was um, the guy Park. John, John Park, Park was there for for about three or four different managers and it meant that when a manager was replaced he had the scouting system and the structure there that he could bring someone in. Ronnie Dyla had the same access as what Neil Lennon had and you look at guys that came in over that period that we managed to turn around. We kept that same sort of system going that we brought in an unknown quality player, guys like Victor Wanyama, like Virgil Van Dijk. We honed them here at Celtic and then turned them round. Since then, you've had guys like Lee Congerton, you've had um Nick who Hammond. was the other... Nick Hammond. Yeah, Nick Hammond. We've had other guys that have come in and out who have been responsible for Celtic. <laughs> well, that that's basically it. Now, if you keep going on that cycle. Say the worst thing was to happen and Ange had to leave tomorrow. There's no one there to keep that structure going because Ange has been the main man. So it is imperative that, okay, maybe Ange doesn't want to be have someone senior, that's fine. But at least have someone who Celtic, the board, can trust to say, do you know what, here's our new manager, can you help him till he gets his right men in? No, we
2: didn't want to keep banging on about Poster leaving because we didn't want the big fella to go <laughs> anywhere. Absolutely not, or, absolutely uh, not. Uh, anyway give, him a, give him a
3: lifetime deal, give him a lifetime deal.
2: David Bradley, no Ange does it all himself, what a guy. The uh, urban clochie, our chairman is straight out of the office. Uh, Johnny Ryan, And will determine who comes in. Uh, Michael McDonald, and should handle all the transfers. Robert Wallace makes an actual great point. The manager tells the CEO who he wants and not the tail wagging the dog. And I'm going to bring up a resident Hibs fan, Paul Cockwell. What about the Boyle story that's not going away? Let's deal with some absolute rumours. Brian, I saw you shaking your head there, so you go first.
4: I I, I just don't see it happening. Um, I think he's, he's done well for Hibs, but Hibs are having a great season. Really. so I just I just don't see what, what he offers more than what's there he's pacier than some of the winners but that's it. I think he's what, what he's he 27 now It just feels It's like mm-hmm. a, a massive step up and are you going to really redevelop a player at that age and that amount of time that's, no, that's played for Hibs and a struggling Hibs side I, I don't see it uh, to be honest
3: I disagree with you I'd take him every day of the week every single day of the week I think he's got something that the Celtic team don't have at the minute, and it's the not just the pace, but the fact that he can play in those two roles of the the striker and the winger. Where as far as all we've seen so far is Abada can potentially do that, and Abada's sort of couple of performances that he's had so far this season not been the greatest. He's good at set plays. He's good at kind of. He's someone that when you look at where our squad weakness is at the minute, it's down the flanks. Would I play him over? Um, Mickey Johnson every day of the week. Colin, I you
4: like, yeah. "Not on Mickey Johnson." That's not a good
3: example. But that—that's—that's that's your second choice left midfielder at the minute. That's who you've got there. So is he better than some of the players that's at the squad <clears throat> that we've got so far? Yes. The only thing is, would I pay three million pounds for him? Absolutely not. There's,
2: there's, it's sort of split in the comments, lads. Like you used to have split there, eh? Patrick. Patrick Harold Boyle, not Celtic class. Robert Wallace asked the question that you asked there, Colin. Is he better in what we have? And I think this is... Brown Warrior brings up a comment and it says, Boyle has ripped the Rangers defence apart. No Celtic winner Linger, has done that
4: for two seasons. To be I fair, know, though, when they played Rangers, they were sitting in deep and Rangers were pushing up and they were just putting long balls and counter-attacking. even if they boy had Boyle, when they play like that against Rangers... It's a false equivalent. I get his point. It's a false equivalency. It's like when Ivan Sproul was at Hibs and he'd done that. he done it because he could do it against teams that were attacking and he had space. Previously for Celtic, he's no going He's going to be facing low blocks sort of thing. He's going to have space running behind. I don't see it. There's, there's there's really good good. Don't see it.
3: There's a really good comment coming in here from Stephen Tomlinson. If it was cheaper, would Boyle be a Johnny Hayes type signing? Now you think, John, I thought Johnny Hayes had a really good contribution when he was at Celtic, we picked him up for next to nothing, he put some great performances in, including that one um, over in Rome when we beat Lazio, and he left, he done his job, he was never a quality player but he was a great squad player for Celtic.
2: Now, that's a decent point, I was trying to bring up the exact same comment as you <laughs> called, and that's how it kept on disappearing for anybody we apologise for anybody who was watch- watching on YouTube there, <laughs> I wondered what was going on with that with, with Stephen's comment um, you're right Gordon Ashley Boyle is a no-brainer Forrest not even close and Abaddon's not a winger, I would offer 1.5 million and I'm going to bring up another comment the Brown Warrior, Henderson and, and Cash, get it done the Henderson question, Brian, brings you around to we have, we seem to have a lot of dead wood in the squad, and it's all right getting players in, but you have to actually you have to actually balance the books as we've already spoke about, and sometimes you need to have that conversation with players that that, that they actually do need to leave, and it was something that uh, was brought up to me on Twitter by Joe Smith. And what he actually says is, how much of a hit do you think Celtic should take on Barkas, Bollie and Aieti to get them out of the door this window? These three guys need off the wage bill as soon as possible and could fund one quality signing. I I, I think if if we're spending £12 million on on the two guys that are in the tagline, Yacht and Carter Vickers, and the £3 million what we've spent on the, the three Japanese lads we're going to need to do a bit of balance in the books again. This, this window to actually t- to stop the wage bill going up. So what do you think the club will be looking to do to get rid of the three that Joe Smith actually mentioned? I
3: think when you look at it, you're not going to get anything for a, for a yeti this window because you'll not pass a medical. He's, he's, he's out for what? seems to be quite a long period of time, so is one you're going to have to be stuck with. That then asks the question then, if you do have someone that needs to leave, then who's going to be the one that sort of fills his his gap? I think if um, it looks as if Lee Griffiths is going to be back from Dundee, I think his contract will be torn up.
1: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know, it's just phone internet not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test Intelligence data Q3 2022 in Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com/internet for details.
0: This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in
5: on building trust
3: whether it be on a, a loan with a permanent option or a permanent deal, uh, and from what I'm hearing, because of the kind of injury crisis we've got at the minute, potentially it could be Barkas that stays as well. So it's it's not the it's not the best situation, but I, I think you spent what between twelve million pounds on those three players, Barkas, Ayeti, and Bali. I think if you get five for the three of them. That's that's where you're kind of sitting at right now.
2: That, I, I don't know about Barkas. I think Barkas will still go out on loan. I think they've, I think they've got enough goalkeeping cover there, especially if they, they rate the young eh, young Toby, I, whatever he's saying, what uh, oh, there you go, uh, especially if they rate him extremely highly. They also do, whether we like it or lump it, they do actually still rate Scott Bain as well. So, and, and I'm sure Barkas is on far more money than Scott Bain. Well, what, what do you reckon, Brian? I still, I still think that these players, I know he has got his the hamstring problem at the moment, which could, as Colin rightly points out, which could kibosh any sort of move whatsoever. But I'm sure Barkas has still got a bit of credit in the bank in his homeland. And Ball and Golly will still have credit in the bank in Belgium and Austria, where he's actually played his football.
4: I definitely, I think there's, there's, there's money and him. Old hologram Hans Barkas. Um, when you get a couple of the phone figures you get for the American football, you try and keep him at Celtics because got big coins you can catch something for a change. Um, I, I think he'll go, but I think what will happen is, I think all three of them will go, but I think it will be a loan, we auction the buys at the end. I think that will mitigate risk for clubs coming in. Um, so I suspect that's probably what will happen. So you might not get the money up front, but if you know if they want to keep them, they have to trigger a clause or whatever. I think i bought him a lot more than five million for the three of them. I think, I think you, you I would take you probably only three and a half to four million each. I would say still, you got a Greek international, Swiss international, and then um, Paul and He's he's quite liked over in Turkey. I think he's a he's a decent player. He's just no, for, there's various reasons he's not going to play for Celtic again. There's also guys like Sean Urigidi who are probably going to go on loan, Henderson who's going to leave, Hazard who will probably go, um, maybe Mikey Johnson or Schumer away. So there, there's a lot of other players that could go first, but I think they're the other the that you're going to get a decent, a reasonably decent transfer fee for. Uh,
3: I think your fee for Bolingoli is maybe a bit inflated considering that would mean we've made a profit on him.
4: It was we don't <laughs> and a half the for. It was about 2.2, 2.4 point
3: two, two point we spent on Bolingoli.
4: So, again wasn't last year, something like that. So get it, again, it's all these underscores
2: transfer fees. Nobody mm. knows what you've actually paid for players of that. Brown Warrior again. I'm I'm bringing his comments up because I found this <laughs> man quite funny. Send ball and goalie to Ibifa. I'm sure Ibifa have got a team that plays in the, the the Spanish second the second, second, second division. They were uh, in the top like a couple of years ago. They they were that. Uh, Producer Paul comes in to tell anybody it's interested that Arsenal v Liverpool was postponed due to Liverpool's problems with COVID. Um, let's Liam Shaw. I'm going to go to Colin about Liam Shaw. Um, interesting if he actually goes on loan to St Johnston, eh?
3: Mm, I mean, he could have picked a better team in Scotland to go to, but um, I think he'll offer a, a a solid option to them there. St Johnston have been one of the worst teams I've seen play this season. They offer absolutely nothing going forward. Sure, what will he bring to them? Depends where they play him. If he plays that sort of defensive holding role, it means Ali Crawford will be the one that's got to try and link up the the attack to the midfield. If you play him in that further forward role, he's sort of playing alongside Crawford, but they'll probably have to sacrifice a striker. They've only got really one striker up there at the minute. Um... Stevie May scored a couple of goals. Chris Kane just kicks anything that's above the ground. Um, it's good for him to go and get minutes. I'd like to see him potentially at a top six side and not a side that's battling relegation, to be honest.
2: Chris Kane just seems to kick in. I think it's in a Celtic jersey. He doesn't seem to do it to anybody else. <laughs> I've got a friend who's a St Johnson fan. I've spoke about him many a time on this programme. I know I'm waiting on the text say, and he's going to ask me, Brian, what kind of player is Liam Shaw? And I'm going to need to tell him, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what kind of player Liam Shaw is because I haven't seen enough of him.
4: Aye, that's the reality. We've not seen enough of him. I think we guys like we, we Shaw and Urigidi, if they go on loan, I think post they will be very careful about the type of the go-to just in terms of how they train. Because you see how intense the training is and stuff. And, and to be fair, i we saw Uri Gidi, I slaughtered at the start of the season, but actually, when was good against Batiste, hopefully that position would be good. Um, and the improvement there is because of obviously the training. So if they put in the high intensity training and stuff, I think he's going to want to send, if they're going to stay in Scotland, he'll probably want to send them to a club who trains, not in a similar way, but has a certain level of professionalism, of of. Because at any point you send him in loan for six months and he comes back out of shape or not quite in Celtic shape. It's a waste of time. So I would like them to go on loan to Scotland because then they're playing against the same opposition you can engage them a bit more. But I think they'll probably look at somewhere down south that's a bit it's maybe more in line with some of his training uh, methods. Because again, if he sees a future for them, I don't see them... Because when you look at even Giamakis, some of the guys that come into Celtic this season, obviously good players... And they might not have had a pre season but they're still fit and they can deal with post the training, or it's taken them a long time to get there. So if you've got players like what well, Sean Urugidi, and you send them to C.S. Johnson, who maybe don't train as intensely, even if they did really well there, they're going to come back. And they might have actually regress these players, although they're playing every week. Or it's certainly fitness wise. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see where they go, but I do fully expect them to go. And the other one I think we are making money for is we sorrow. I expect so to go as well. I just
2: do to call the like fancies at all. What's your thoughts on sorrow? Do you think his ship has sailed? Is he the one that we're having a conversation with? With we, we, we parents here, sometimes you, you've got a son or daughter who wants to be a vet and tend horses and nice pastures and rolling hills, then you need to say to them, by the way, McDonald's has got a great management programme, mate. They think Soros, they think Sorrell's and that, and that sort of boat.
3: I mean, I'd like to think you'll get something better than McDonald's, but um, when I look at the the kind of the clips that we've seen of Gucci and I've probably murdered that already, um, he is a very similar player to Soro, except for he seems to throw himself about more. He's like the sort of John Terry of defensive midfielders who puts his body on the line time after time after time. He seems to have a bit more composure on the ball, which is something that I think Sorrow was still trying to get. Um, I look back at some of his performances last season, especially when he was brought back in um, round about the time that we played Lille and then he scored that cracking goal against Dundee United. Uh, That was his sort of best spell in a Celtic jersey. But from that point onwards, his performances and the level that he could kind of get to sort of dip. We've not seen much of him this season that suggests that he's going to be up there and challenging for that defensive midfield role. I think it's going to be between um, guys like Beaton, Idiguchi and McCarthy that's in there. You don't need a fourth choice centre defensive mid, especially if you are um, still young and you want to get yourself into the game. It'll be up to Ange whether he goes on loan or if he goes away permanently. I still think that for the betterment of his career, it's probably away from Celtic and away from... uh, from Scottish football, to be perfectly honest, I don't think it ever suited them.
2: You and Boy Martin comes in and he says, "Sorrow's ship has sunk." When you mentioned John Terry, they're calling. I thought there were so many places that I thought you could have took that, but I'm quite <laughs> glad that you only that you only stuck to football. Stay, stick any, on the park. Stick on the park. John Terry actually posted a picture of himself going skiing the other day there in his private jet, and it just screams, "You are an utter." beep 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 but there we go let's let's um turn japanese let's speak about the free japanese guys because colin you mentioned uh, 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 idiguchi or just call me gucci as 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 as, as he says kaiogo's got us really excited about these guys (laughs) he has got us really kaiogo's a natural talent and we've got the you've got dan orowitz and other Guys for the J League and the, the J League watchers are going, and my are actually better than, than Kyogo. We're, we're getting really, really, we're getting really, really great reviews about Hatati and that as well. And you've got Ida Gucci, who seems to be that sitting six. He's maybe not coming with a, a, a biggest symphony orchestra as other two, but people say uh, he is going to do a job for us. Brian, are the three starters? do these free walking into
4: the side? So it's interesting. It, I think it depends on where Hattati plays. So in his, I read a thing earlier, I was looking at it, in, in his last 50 games, 19 of them were centre-mid, 17 were left-back, and then there was a spluttering of left-wing, right-wing, attacking mid. If he comes in at left-back, I could probably see the theorem starting. I think it would be Maeda out left, he'll go Jota when he's fit. Um, Gucci, McGregor, Rogic, Juranovic, CCV, Welsh, um Hatati and Hart at the back. I think that's probably your strongest team. I think Hatati's coming in to start. Gucci's the interesting one. It de- so it depends where Postacogler, if he says Carl McGregor is a is a you know, the six or the eight. I think that's gonna dictate who starts. If he prefers him sitting, then Gucci's in the bench long, we beat on. But I suspect he likes him a bit further up, linking the play. So then probably Gucci will start. So yeah, I, I think Maeda and Hatati I definitely see starting. Hatati I see starting where he's left back or centre mid, by the way. Um, but I think if he goes to left back, Gucci will come in. Um, but again, there's loads of. But the exciting thing about Hatati, he seems to be the one that there's loads of buzz about. Maeda's getting pressed, but I've seen a lot of things with people talking about Hatati and how he's going to really. You know, have a massive impact. He's only twenty four. Looks a real player, but it depends where he's going to play for me. I think that's the kind of interesting thing. I think that directly will affect the the other ones. But Maeda, I I see starting. He's um, he seems to be the boy, doesn't he?
2: Colin, before I come to you, Facebook user, hopefully it's not the same Gucci. Find down the bars. Uh, We're all We're all hoping that. What Brian saying there, I do not see Atate as a left-back whatsoever. He's there to play in the midfield and on the left wing. The left-back situation for me is tied up with Greg Taylor and uh, Liam Scales. Atate is there to give, uh, obviously Turnbull's now injured, but Atate, for me, Atate was coming in to actually give Turnbull a break in the middle of that park, and I see him playing in the midfield, Colin.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I think you're midfield three, probably. <laughs> Um, if they are all available for the game against tips will probably be um McGregor hatati and Rogic um if that's the three that you've got available i think there was a there was a good comment came in there and says we've maybe got that first box to box midfielder that we've not had for a long time and i've been saying that all season i don't think we've got that box to box midfielder um someone i think someone in the comment section said probably as far back as um Stuart Armstrong but Hatati seems to have something that Armstrong doesn't have, and that's pace. Or oh, Stephen Tomlinson there. Um, hatati seems to have a lot of pace as well. And you're seeing that's why he's been played sort of out on the left-hand side. He's been pushed further forward to the left. And having that versatility isn't necessarily a bad thing, considering the way that um, we've picked up injuries this season. So he was put in at left-back to cover an injury in the J-League. He then made it into the Japanese uh, Olympic side at left-back as well because that's where they, they felt he was best positioned. Look, if he can play consistently in both positions, that's two positions we've managed to cover in the team, which is great. If he's more suited to the centre midfield role, we'll see that when he starts playing. It's not necessarily a bad thing to have someone that can play in more than one position. Um no
2: has isn't called with the amount of injuries that we've had this season and it's the amount of guys who can do a couple of jobs and unpost the Coglu's team that we've actually needed. I mean, uh, Brian, I've, I'm going to come to you come to you with this. I mean, I, I think sometimes that David Turnbull and Tom Rogic, especially Turnbull, has been asked to do a job that he's not suited for and he's done it extremely well. He has done it extremely well before getting what for me was a fatigue injury. That injury when he pulled up in the cup final was just because he had played far, far too many minutes. But I always saw Turnbull as a, a square peg in that round hole. And Atati probably f- a, a, seems to have the the profile to fit that role better in a Postacoglu, Postacoglu midfield.
4: Yeah, I think that's probably right. I, I'm a big fan of Turnbull. I think he's an excellent footballer. But I have don't hear a few things. I'm concerned about him off the ball. I think he's not naturally that great off the ball. He hasn't pressed that well. He's no got that sort of natural fitness and energy and speed to cover the park. And I think Bosta Bostil sort of wanted him to. Um, and it has, there's times he does it, but it's just no natural for him. Um, but there's such quality there that you can see why he's still on the side. Um, the common thread, I mean, whether Hitati plays centre mid left back or Maeda plays up front, out wide, wherever they play. The common thread that has been reported is how athletic all three are, mm-hmm. how they're very strong, very fast, very powerful, you know, can run for, for run for days, cover every plane of gas. And that's exactly what Postecoglou demands, and I think that's where Turnbull falls down a bit. In seeing that, Roger isn't that type of player. So Postocolo does have space in that system for one of these players who, not necessarily a luxury player, but offer that bit a difference without having to press. So I think you're right, I think it will be moving forward. Regardless of it, the midfield three, is, I think it will be either Rodjick or Turnbull moving forward. I don't think there will be too many times you see them both again, if I'm honest. Because it seems like, because I mean, there was a, uh, I think there an article yesterday about um, Maeda, about how he's, he's
1: Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com internet for details.
4: An, an incredible athlete, like lightning quick, so strong, you know, so fit. You just run for days and it seems like that's the mold. Especially when you look at uh, Kyogo and how tireless he is in his work. I think that's the, and McGregor as well, by the way. like It's one thing that I think McGregor doesn't quite get credit for. Is the amount of running and moving and covering he does over the park, it's exceptional, and I think that's the benchmark. And humble, I think it's either him or Roger Fitton, That's sort of I'll call it a luxury role, but I don't quite mean that, that's disrespectful. But uh, that's no, a, no, that's a, that's sort of they can do something different, but I don't think you'll have two of them anymore.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, I'll uh, Brian's right there for me I agree with him I always saw Turnbull and Rogic as two number 10s trying to fit in a Aposta Colgham system mm-hmm. the, the only midfielder that we've got in the squad at the moment that can play all three roles in Aposta Colgham midfield is Gallon McGregor mm-hmm. McGregor could play in any of, any of those three roles and for me the, the bringing in Hatati gives you a num- another number 8 a, nat- a more natural number eight of what we've currently got in the squad and leaves Turnbull and Roggets to bat- battle it out for the number 10 role. For me, the number six role, Idiguchi eh, has is- probably came in there to give beat-on competition when we mm-hmm. need beat-on and McCarthy competition, when we actually need a more sitting midfielder, that there's another role there. It could just be that he's an upgrade on Sorrow to actually sit there, but for me, I'm actually looking for an upgrade on Beaton. I'm actually up. I'm actually looking for a an out and out defensive midfielder because we do need one. McCarthy and Beaton, Beaton's been utterly heroic in December. I must admit, he's he's mm-hmm. he, he, he's, he's, sho- he, he's shoved my criticism right down down my down my throat. But then, what do I know? I mean, Neil Lennon twice, Brendan Rogers, Ronnie Dyler and numerous uh, uh, Israel managers have gave him a dozen of caps. So, what they actually know about like the the, the ability of Neil Beaton as a footballer, just as a football fan, he's just never excited me as a player. But we're we're looking at Edigucci as a number six. We have, mm. f- when these guys come in, I'm going that he's a new defensive midfielder.
3: It'll be interesting if if we see him go in there straight away because that is such an integral part of the team. And if you get that wrong, then it can put the team completely out of kilter. If you've got a central defensive midfielder that you can rely upon, who is the person that's going to sit in front of your back four, that is going to start the plays from the back, because that's the way Celtic play. We play out from the back and then get the ball up to the forward line. That's a lot of trust you're putting in that one player. That's how McGregor playing in that position this season has been pivotal because he is the one who turns it around and gets it forward. It's been a criticism of Beaton in the past, although over the last couple of months he has changed that, about how slow he was in that transition period. So I think it's almost the biggest risk to put a brand new central defensive midfielder into that system because of how pivotal that role is. And I think that might be the reason why you don't see Edogucci right away. We'll maybe see him in the Cup game. We'll maybe see him in some of the other games um, at Celtic Park, maybe against a, a lower opposition. But the likes of Hibs on a Monday night, the first one back, I, I just think he'll go with the try and try, Tested there, because of how important that role is to his whole system.
2: But I, I agree with uh, actually. For once, I agree with Colin that beat on for me is in the start is at the top of the pecking order in the defensive midfielders, uh, based on based on the last six based on the last couple of weeks. I'm just actually picturing uh, either Gucci turning up at Recreation Park in Alawa fake Gucci in Alawa, and Alawa. There's plenty of there's already plenty of fake Gucci in Alawa, um, and I just see him turning up at Recreation Park and going, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> this is on an after tough pitch a great a great view of the local hills uh, I, I, I actually would love to see that just to see his face actually but let's get back to the serious stuff I, I do agree with Colin I think Beaton's at the moment's got that defensive midfield role uh, tied up and for me Hatati and Maeda would be the only two that walk in, they're the only two I expect to see against Hubs Possibly but so sort have of, you met
4: my only concern with that is if your midfield three is, if Hitati's in there and Beton's in there, it means you're dropping Roderick or McGregor. And I don't think he will. I think Roderick and McGregor are the two deads to start. That's why I think if you see, he, that's why I think for him to play Hitati, they might play him at left-back. Because if he's so comfortable in both, and he's playing a very full-back role, maybe having an extra midfielder in there. That's why I think he might play him there, because of how close they get to midfield. And then he's got the option of bringing off Turnbull, Gucci, whatever off the bench to replace these players. Um, I don't see it's either for me Gucci, McGregor, Rogic, Beton, McGregor, Rogic, and then you can rotate between the, the three. Um, <laughs> 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 no, that's it, Keith. Um, so again, that's that's the thing. So if you play Beton and Hatate, who are you going to drop? it gives a good option because it means he can rotate the midfield a bit more and there's nobody able to do it but again, I think that's why you know, you see Hatati at left back and either Gucci because I, I do agree I think Bitton is made the number six role of his own and I do prefer McGregor Ford in there. so I think the only question is is it Gucci or Bitton Gucci or Nero and that um, is they the head of that midfield <laughs> um, and then Hatati either coming off the bench or playing at left back I might be totally wrong I mean, might be something rocking play, but that's
2: just man instinct. That, that's your instinct that he's left back that, that, that he's going to play at left back. Colin, Maeda, Kyogo and one other is the front three for me. Jota? Jota when Jota's, Jota whenever Jota's fit. That's the front three for me. And for one thing, i can't wait to see the front three. I cannot
3: no. wait to actually see that. I'm, not, I'm a bit man-united about that. Do you know, I think you'll not even see them as a sort of a solid front three. I think it'll be very fluid. I think you'll see Jota coming in towards the middle um, and then you'll see a lot of Mieda sort of coming anywhere across the box to pick up where Kyogo won't be going. See, when you think about it, it's exactly what we could have done at Ibrooks earlier on in the season when you had Edouard and Kyogo play up front, as you could have had um, Kyogo coming into the positions where Edward, if he hit the front post, Kyogo hit the back post. But we didn't do it. We kept Kyogo too far out on the left-hand side and he was sort of like, pushed into the corner by Balligan. It was only when we changed it up and put Kyogo through the middle. If you'd have changed it up and had Eddie out left in that game, I mean, he's not the best. He wasn't the best out there. But he, I think it offered a lot more if you just changed it around and you had your full backs overlapping. But I think that's maybe where you'll see a lot more of, like, of Ralston, Juranovic, Taylor, Scale, whoever's going to be playing on the two full backs, they'll have a lot more opportunity to get balls over. And you'll not just have one striker in the box to try and put it in, you'll have players coming from all over to go on the end of it. And we spoke about what was it, 80 crosses against Livingston, we didn't score a single goal. I don't think you'll see too many of those performances in the second half of this season.
2: Hopefully not, Colin, but as Joe Porter uh, comes in, and he quite rightly points out, we know nothing about these new Japanese guys. We're judging them based on a comparison to Kyogo. That is extremely true. I mean, I'm not excited I was ready to go outside and run about just the thought of a my Kyogo <laughs> shot of front free and a tacky buzzing about the, buzzing about the, the midfield there, but Joe Porter makes a great point there. It uh, is a gamble, even though we're bringing free, uh, even though we've already got a Japanese player there and he's settled in well. These boys have had a full season. They're coming into a new country, a new culture. We need to hope that they do settle in, but we, we actually do need them to hit out the ground running, Brian. Eh?
4: Yeah, I think so. But look, any transfer's are a risk, isn't it? Even if you know them really well and you think they're going to be great, they might do snow work. So I think... I would say most of Andy Senna's so far have been a success so you have to trust his judgement the, the the guy um, Dan Horowitz who's a friend of the channel who's everywhere at the moment It's we're getting a lot of information from him he's a, a Japanese football expert we're, we're listening to people telling us these things but every example every, um, <coughs> it uh, doesn't matter who it is and how good a pedigree is and how well they have done it's always a gamble because you say, Kev, they might not quite fit in you know, they might not like it here. They might it on their teammates. It's been a lot. They get injured. These are all things that can happen. So, I think it's you know, of course we're comparing them to Kyogo because that's the league he came from. So we're hoping it's on a similar standard. That's natural. So I don't think it's a, I don't think we really can do anything else naturally. But what you say know, though? Imagine trying to mark two players with the speed and movement of Kyogo. Because apart my Maeda is very similar. He's super fast. He comes in through the left. So imagine Cuba's going to run defender trying to mark him and you need to be aware of coming around your other side, and Jota tying some in the knots over on the right. I think it's. In, I, I'm McKev, like, I'm with the cart wheels down the street here. I can't wait to see them as a front three because I think <laughs> they're going to prove an absolute nightmare for defences, any defence, and, and I'm really excited.
2: William Kennedy comes in to remind us these guys haven't got a scooby-doo we know that we know that we know that it's a new year same old rubbish on a Wednesday William we're we're actually quite happy
3: to admit that William's Uh, William's been in the comments section having a go at me the whole show so I'm glad I'm making your day William I'll give you a big kiss at the end of this
2: (laughs) (laughs) Facebook user comes in Kev Gucci will revel in the fresh air around the hills of Alawa after the exhaust fumes of Japan and the meth fumes of Leeds. <laughs> Apologies to any Japanese or people who are listening from Leeds. Um, one last question. I'm going to take it for Twitter because I asked on Twitter last night, just before we run out, we run out of time here. Thomas Collins asked me on Twitter, Do you think we can go far in the conference league? We've boosted the squad with these three guys. We don't know what's going to happen. We've probably got a 50 50 chance against Bodo Glunt even though we don't know what, what uh, team we're going to face because uh, of of their players leaving. I'm willing to have a crack at this. I, I want to have a crack at the Conference League. It's not where I want to be. Definitely no. But I'm willing to have a crack at it. Brian, what do you think?
4: Yeah, agreed. I think our European performances have been pretty good. And again, a lot of times it's been a squad, or I suppose at Benindial, Um are against very good teams. So I think... You know, get up to speed, get the players playing, um, playing aggressively, playing the, the, the same way, you know, pressing high, high tempo, counter-attacking, I think, we with a good chance against most teams. Um, and yeah, I think we could go And it's not a disrespect the, the danger. The only slight caveat is the danger with the, the Conference League is that it's not Europa League. And there's this idea that the teams are all garbage and we should walk it. Because even though we've had a, a not a very good recent history in Europe, there is the idea that we well, should definitely get name, never heard of them. And we know that's not the case. So there is a, a danger of that. And you don't mind Grant to a a huge name in Europe because you go, well, we tried and they were just better. So there is that sort of worry. But no, I, I don't have any fears, Grant, yet. I think I've got faith in Andrew and what he's trying to do. And I think we have said from the start. You know, he's Celtic, completely Scottish football. And it's about Europe and testing yourself in Europe and trying to get to that level. So um, yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll do well. With no fear.
2: Colin, what's your thoughts about the the conference league? I, I, I had a comment there from Paul. Here, I'll get it back up. Don't care to be honest. Let's get the SPFL under control. What's your thoughts on the conference league and how far we can go in it? Uh,
3: I'd like to see us just win the first tie over two legs in Europe since two thousand and four. I think that start needs to get Kai this season as soon as possible um, mm-hmm. and put it to the history books where it deserves to be. Look. Well looking at this team, Bodo Glint, they've sold four or five of their key players. One of their players looks as if he's going to make the move to Scotland to sign for Hibbs as well. If that's a, I know obviously they had the great performances against Roma, but if they're a team that's looking to rebuild as well, we've got to take advantage of that. They're going to be coming in straight off their pre season. We should have these guys up and running. Look, just I, I want Celtic to get into every game to believe that they have the ability to beat the team that they're playing. And if that means that you go on a run in Europe, then that's fantastic because it'll bring in extra revenue, it'll bring in extra coefficient points as much as anybody kind of moans about them. Let's just go and try and win every single game that we're in because I watched a Celtic team last year that looked as if they'd gave up from the minute that the first whistle went. This season, I'm not seeing that and I want to keep doing that. So let's just keep trying to win as much as we can and see what it takes us at the end of the season and hail hail to that
2: Henry I'm going to give the last comment to Henry Lally uh, guys Ange's style is pressing in order to achieve this with the number of games we have a settled first 11 for me is a thing of the past more squad, squad rotation in the future I think he's right there and with the three guys we've brought in we're really really excited all three as are absolutely buzzing out our nuts for a Wednesday afternoon when we're all in isolation today
3: Kev just before we finish up was there not one more question that came through on Twitter eh uh, what one are
2: you, are you going on about was it the one uh, about a, a certain hat
3: I think it was a certain hat that we've not seen in a long long time ok two seconds then two seconds
4: <laughs> <laughs> Hey it's back He's back
2: the, the, the mustard hat still exists and, and I'm, I'm, I'm maybe, we'll, maybe we'll come out of retirement eventually lads this has been great I've really enjoyed this Wednesday afternoon lunchtime I hope everybody else has and hey if you haven't got any, anything good to say about anybody just didn't say nothing at all hail hail and keep it Celtic